so I just got done practicing and um, it didn't really go as well as I had hoped um, I just felt uncomfortable on a lot of the songs and uh, like I tried to start with the ones that I feel the least comfortable with because I know that those need the most work so I kind of start there and then I uh, I kind of work my way up from the ones that I need the most work on to the ones that I feel the, feel the best on um, although sometimes I will start with a song that I feel comfortable on um, to warm up because I feel comfortable on it so uh, I know how to play it I don't really have to think about what I'm playing so much because it's, it's pretty much like solidified in my mind um, so I wonder maybe if I should have done that I guess my my uh, fear if I do it that way is that I'll start with the ones that I'm comfortable with and then I'll run out of time while I'm practicing and I won't get to the ones that need the most work. So, yeah, it didn't go quite um, as well as I had hoped, but I still went and got it done and I filled up my uh, my SD card on my, on my camera. So, you know, if there's like half an hour or an hour of video and I can use half of it or, or a quarter of it, um, at least it's something. And it gives me like a realistic kind of view of where I am. And so I think um, I need to really carve out even just like 15 minutes a day which 15 minutes is like three to five songs. So um, that's three to five songs a day times uh, what's a round number? Uh, 300 days a year? I don't know. That's like 1,300 or 1,500 songs. So and usually like in a in a full uh, a full set list, like not just one set, but like for the whole night of music, it's usually around forty songs. Um, so I can I can practice all forty within like I don't know eight days or something. So. Yeah, I really need to just start um, putting in like 15 minutes a day. And like especially because just the way that the brain learns things, it's much more beneficial uh, to do something like however long you're doing it. If you're, if you're only doing it for an hour a week or if you're doing it for... Uh, two or three, doesn't matter. If you spread it out throughout the week, 
like your brain learns better because your brain processes information when you go to sleep. And so, whatever you learn that day, uh, your brain kind of like, uh, I don't know, it kind of stores it. Um, so, it's, the, it's the doing something and then having a sleep cycle, and then doing something and then having a sleep cycle. So, I really need to work on that. It's like, first thing when I get home, 15 minutes of practice, and then uh, get ready for the next day and stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, as I'm driving, I'm just kind of thinking. Um, like I do, and uh, I was thinking about, so there's consciousness, and then there's subconsciousness, and so consciousness is like the, the voice that is in your head that you identify as you, the thoughts that you have, um, things that you can focus on. So that's consciousness. And then subconsciousness is kind of like the underlying programming. So like the fight or flight uh, mechanisms, the uh, response to social cues, um, just all the like, natural things that take place in the mind without us thinking about them. So the subconscious, and I, I wonder, is there a super conscious? Like, is there something above consciousness? Is that, is that enlightenment? Is it like thoughtlessness? Is it like being free of thoughts? Because I know, like, I hear uh, a lot of talk in, in Buddhism of, of like having no thoughts or being free from thoughts. Like uh, that guy, Edgar Tolle, he always talks about um, being free from thoughts. But like I know that they don't think that it's possible to just never have any thoughts. I think the concept is just to be free from them. So they don't control you, they don't dictate how you feel, they don't dictate what you do, they're just thoughts, you recognize them as something separate from who you are, and you can detach from them, and evaluate them, and then you can act on them. I guess that's kind of like the, the goal of, like, uh, Buddhist detachment and, uh, meditation and all that stuff. So, yeah, I just wonder, is there a super consciousness? Um, I don't know. Might be something um, interesting to look into. Okay, another just kind of random thought. Um, so, I struggle with, with confidence a lot. It's probably like one of my greatest struggles. Um, being confident, which is strange because like it doesn't require anything. Like you don't need 
any anything to be confident in. It's just like this uh, thing that you do or pretend to be. Like if you pretend to be confident, then you appear to be confident. Uh, and there's no difference between pretending to be confident and actually being confident. Um, but I guess the weird thing to me is that when I meet people who are very confident, in my mind, it's kind of like an indicator that they are either arrogant or they think more highly of themselves than they are. Like they overestimate their abilities um, or it indicates a sense of naivete um, that they maybe they don't like overestimate themselves or maybe they don't like uh, overvalue themselves but maybe they uh, under appreciate the, the difficulty of a challenge or like they think that they can do something that they can't or they think something is not as challenging as it actually is but in either case whether they believe that they are better than they actually are or if they believe that the challenge is not as difficult as as it actually is in either of those cases um, a confident person benefits anyway because if you like studies have shown if you think you can do something you are much much more likely to be able to do it than if you don't think you can do something um, so it's, that's just a weird like uh, struggle that I have with confidence I guess is that like when I see it in other people Sometimes I see a confident person and I go, yeah, that's what I want to be like. But most of the time when I see someone who's confident, um, it's kind of like, it just rubs me the wrong way. Okay, so I have a minute to record, but I don't know how long it'll last because uh, my son may come in the room and need me at any moment so I'll just um, start going and see how far I can get so this morning um, we got rained out today so I um, there's no work today um, so this morning I was uh, doing my morning meditation at home um, which was usually I do it in my car before work because um, that's when I have to do it but this morning I was at home so I was able to do it at home and then I had the time to um, like reflect and just write some things down like some thoughts that came up as I was meditating so I'm just kind of gonna kind of going to go through some of those um, but the first thing was just about meditation itself and um, this morning as I was meditating I thought about how difficult it is to just sit still in one place for as little as five or even 20 minutes without any kind of external stimulation and just breathe 
And on the surface, it seems like such a simple thing to do, but the desire to move or change position or go turn the fan off or let the dogs out is almost unbearable. Um, meditation seems like such a peaceful, relaxing thing to do, and it can be, but many times it can be like agony. <clears throat> uh, one of the most difficult parts of, of meditating is knowing what to do with the mind and wondering all the time, am I doing this right? Um, so this morning as thoughts came up in my mind and clamored for my attention, I thought of a visualization that I found useful that I thought I'd share here. So the visualization is this. Um, one time I took my son to a butterfly sanctuary. I guess you call it a sanctuary. I don't know what the actual word for it is. Um, but they had a whole bunch of butterflies in this huge structure that looks like a greenhouse with mesh nets on the outside. Um, so we went inside the structure and there were butterflies all over the place. And as we walked through, uh, we would see butterflies just resting um, everywhere. And a lot of times um, one would fly into view and kind of flutter around and then land on something, stretch its wings, and then uh, start flying again. And this morning as I was meditating, I imagined my mind as the butterfly sanctuary and my thoughts like the butterflies. And so like in the meditating that I'm doing, um, it's still just very basic trying to focus on my breath and just sit, sit still and focus on my breath. And so as the, as the thoughts were coming up, um, it's kind of like the butterflies, like they, um, they kind of appear out of nowhere and they're there and they get your attention and then you start to follow them and think about them. And then the whole monkey mind process starts and then you realize what you're doing, that you're like starting to, uh, chase this thought around. And then you just kind of stop and you go, Oh, that's, this is a thought about that, whatever it is. Um, this morning it was about like meditation itself and, um, just like, what, what am I going to do today that I have the day off since it's raining? Um, like I said, the, the fan, the dog started barking, like as soon as I started meditating and my temptation was to get up and go let the dogs in so that they wouldn't bark. But I, I use a timer when I meditate and I had already, I had already started the timer that I use when I meditate. So I didn't want to, um, like I, I want to get in the habit of like starting the timer, meditating, getting all the way through it and stopping. And my son's coming in the room right now. All right, my uh, 
my son is ready for me to feed him breakfast. So I'm going to do, go do that. Um, so yeah, just to kind of, to wrap up real quick, my thought about meditation this morning. Um, so I was noticing that I was getting kind of, um, like pulled into these thoughts and kind of like chasing them down and like thinking about them and then realizing what I was doing and then just, just going like making kind of like a mental note of like, okay, this thought is about this, this thought is about that. And just kind of like get, giving it a name and letting it go and giving it a name and letting it go. And, um, so the thoughts would just kind of like, as I would do that, they would, like a bunch of them would come into my attention and I would kind of, I would start to think about them, realize I was doing it, name it, and then kind of let it go and then do that again and again. And then I would get back to my breath and then, you know, it just kind of happened over and over. Um, but it was, it was still, it's really useful. Um, and I, and I guess this is like the last, um, thing that I, I noticed that I'll mention before I, there, before I go, but, um, I just noticed the, the ability to separate myself from my thoughts. And this, this happens a lot in meditation, but like I forget so quickly, but I, that process of just like labeling my thoughts and separating, separating myself from them. Um, it's this, like, that's the freeing experience. So meditation is actually, it's, it seems on the surface, very simple and easy to do. Cause you're literally just sitting still. I close my eyes because then I just have less to do, to distract me. Um, but you're just sitting still and breathing. And it's amazing how difficult it can be, but then actually getting into it and getting that separation from thoughts, um, it takes that work, um, but then being free from them, um, is, it's a, just a great feeling. And then I feel like I'm better able to deal with those things. So I had, uh, I had a handful more thoughts that I wanted to get to, um, that I don't have time for right now. So I'll just have to come back to those later. Okay. I'm going to take an abrupt left turn from the last thing that I was talking about, um, to do part of a, a response episode to, uh, the literal brother podcast to this, this podcast, because the person doing it is my brother. Um, okay. So I'm going to, this is just has to do with the riddle that you gave in one of the last ones. And so I just wanted to throw this out there while it was in my mind so that I can move on from it. But it's the, um, it's the, Sprite Coke riddle. Um, basically there's two glasses of two different liquids 
you take 10 millimeters out of one, drop it in the other, and then I think you take 10 millimeters out of the one that you dropped it into and put it back into the original one. And the question is, how much, how much of liquid A is in B and how much of B is in A? And I'm just going to say they're exactly the same. And I think that's probably the wrong answer, but I don't know. And, oh, so this is, and then just a quick thing about that. So, um, you were talking about, uh, pretending not to know things or something and I'll, I'll get back to that later. Um, but it just did all of this just made me think about how, um, like a lot of times gathering information, I like, it's easier for me just to go like, I don't know, tell me the right answer. Um, than it is for me to try to think or like, like, come up with it or something. Um, so I think that that makes people, uh, I guess tend to think that I don't know a lot, but I'm just, I'd rather just like hear them say what they think the answer is. And then if it matches mine, then I didn't have to take my time saying it or explaining it. And then if I, and then if I was wrong, well, they're telling me the answer. So anyway, I'm going to say exactly the same, but I don't know. But um, I want to hear the answer. So there you go.